So this episode is called S&P 500, What's Going On? And I wanted to call it that because I know I've talked on previous episodes a little bit about the S&P 500. I myself don't know a whole lot about the S&P 500, only that it is a collection of 500 companies which mirror the market, as I've talked about. So I have mutual funds, as I also talked about in the previous episode, in terms of where am I now in terms of that 800,000. What's it invested in? And I know I prefer to keep things simple, mirror the market, mirror the S&P 500, get average results, because I know that by starting at 40 years old, I didn't have room to take a whole lot of risks. I could not take risks if I wanted to be a millionaire in 15 years. Couldn't take any risks. If I had started much earlier in my career by saving 10%, 20%, 30%, 40% of my income, like lots of folks in the FIRE movement today, I could have taken bigger risks because I had a bigger horizon, a time horizon, in which to build that wealth. 40 years, as opposed to 20 years, is huge. So I'm trying to do it in 15 or 20 years. And if you started earlier, you could take bigger risks. So I wanted to call this episode, What's Going On with the S&P 500? Because if you've been watching the news lately, today is June 7th of 2020, we had a huge spike in the S&P 500, huge. So last week, remember I was talking about my investments that were 800,000. Well, right now, when I look at them, it's 828,000. I just gained $28,000 to in my investments because the shares increased in value so if i had taken all my money out of the market and got scared like a lot of people do i would have just lost the ability to make twenty-eight thousand. so remember since the pandemic two months ago in march of this year things went down 30 percent and we're getting it all back it's just it's crazy when i think about the fact that I, when I started this podcast series two months ago, thought that we were heading into a recession, which I think we are, but we have this extreme volatility, which is a word you'll hear about in terms of the market, where things can go up and down, up and down. But really, you have to look at the bigger picture of the S&P 500, and you can Google it, by the way, and you can take a look at the numbers of end of year where the S&P 500 is. And you'll hear the term all-time high. That all-time high is very important because if you're at a point where you are at an all-time high, it means that the value of those stocks is at an all-time high. So as your dollar cost averaging in and purchasing shares through your 401k or your Roth IRA, you're really paying for them at the top of the market, which is fine, right? But when it comes down, like we just lost 30% and your dollar cost averaging in, then you're buying those shares when they're on sale, which is great as well. So you can continue with your 401k, your Roth IRA, maxing out those vehicles. But I'm really starting to rethink when I'm putting money into my taxable account that I talked about. I'm usually putting that in as a lump sum, but I'm going to revisit my strategy on that because it seems like I should probably wait until we have another downturn in the market and then pop it in. Because when I look at last year, you know, I put in 11,000, I think it was in my taxable account, 
when we were at an all-time high. I probably should have just waited, put that money in an online savings account. And then I should have done it when we lost the 30% and invested at that point. And I, I, I should definitely do that. Um, but for the other money, 401k, Roth IRA, continue to dollar cost average in. And for those of you listening that you're still getting to the point where you are thriving, and remember I said thriving means you have extra money at the end of the year. You may be like I was many years ago where you're not ready to do the, um, the taxable account. You may still be trying to max out your 401k. That may last many years like it did for me. Then once you get that, then you start doing in the Roth IRA. As you make more money and that gap is greater, you're starting to put it in these other buckets as you move forward. So I just want to share here a little bit about, you know, again, this episode is called What's Going On? Because let me just share some numbers with you in terms of the S&P 500 is on a, uh, a point scale, I guess they call it. Um, and the all-time high, I'm looking at some notes I actually write in calendars. Um, and you can do the same as you move forward and you kind of look at the S&P 500 and you look at the the points where it's at. For example, February 19th of 2020 was really the ultimate high of the S&P 500 and it was 3,386. 3,386. Well, right now, as of June 6th, it is, um, Actually, I said the date wrong earlier. Today's actually June 6th on Saturday. But anyway, the right now we're at 3193. Over the past couple of months, remember, it went down significantly. And I have a note that it went down to 2386, the S&P 500. So right from 3386 to 2386, we lost all those points. All the value went down. Remember the episodes where I was saying how much money I had, my net worth really went down. Well, we're almost back up to the all-time high. We're not quite there yet, but I did not expect this. And so that's why as you go forward, you can never really expect what's going to go on in the market at all. I thought we were heading into a bear market, which we probably are because of the pandemic. But look at what just happened. The volatility, two months, three months, really. It, it went up, or I'm sorry, it was up and then it went down. Now it's climbing back up. So today, June 6, 2020, my net worth is 957000 And as I look at my asset allocation, I talked about asset allocation. I may rebalance. Maybe you'll hear that term quite a bit. Um, rebalance pretty much means, remember I wanted to be at 60% stocks, 40% bonds at this point in my financial career, if you will. Um, whereas when I was younger, it was 90% stocks, 10% bonds. That's called risk tolerance. And it really kind of ties a little bit to your age. But because I now look at my investments and I see that the stocks have jumped up to almost 65%, I could go into some of my 401k potentially, or my Roth IRA is probably where I would do that because there's no taxes that you have to pay in the current year by doing changes or balancing within those investment vehicles, I may rebalance, which means I'm going to sell a little bit of the stocks because we're at all time high again or getting there and put them into safer investments so that you 
capture it and keep it there in the bonds potentially to get me back to the 60-40, which is where I want to be. So that's called, you know, rebalancing. And I, I do that approximately once per year. So I'm actually looking at doing that maybe here real soon. Um, I'm going to think about that here a little bit. I'm not a market timer, so I'm not really taking money out of the market completely, then going back in, like I just said a few minutes ago, had I done that, you would have to time the market perfectly. And I know you've probably heard a lot about this where, you know, back in February 19th, could I have taken all the money out and set it aside and then waited and then popped it back in, purchased when we were at the all-time low, and then ride that wave back up? Well, that's hard to do. Nobody can forecast what's going to happen, so just don't do that. Keep your money in the market. Pick a risk tolerance, 60-40, 80-20, whatever you want it to be, and stay there and then rebalance maybe once per year to get back to that same percentage. So amazing to me that, you know, just last week I was saying my investments were 800000 Now I look at them and they're 827000 So, So... This S&P 500, what's going on in this episode, I also want to tie it to, I have a spreadsheet that I want to share with you and talk through a little bit. And you can do the same as you start to track your money year after year. I call it an end of year big pick spreadsheet. So it has columns on it. And I actually build it out kind of like on my episode where I talked about building a budget for every year. I love to look at the year in advance and spend the money on paper in advance and then take away from it as the year goes on, that just really, that's really motivates me to do really well with personal finance. And so hopefully that'll work for you as well. You may also want to create an end of year big pick spreadsheet and forecast out, like I talked about in a previous episode, where if you're at zero, what are you going to be at at the end of the year 2020? Based on how much money you're putting into the market and maybe a 4% annual rate of return, which is very conservative, what will your dollar amount be potentially at the end of the year 2021? The next column could be 2022, next column 2023, and so on. So I did this many years ago. Actually, it was in 2012 when I came up with the idea, and I'm looking at my spreadsheet right now, and I have columns for 2012 all the way up to 2033 when I originally wanted to work until I was 67, which I don't think I want to do that anymore. Um, I could get into the $2 million range potentially if I do continue to work until 67. There's too many variables. I don't know what I'm going to do. I just know I'm trying to get to a million, then I'm going to try to get to 1.5. And somewhere in there then I will figure out what I want to do. But in the meantime, what I did did was I mapped out, you know, how much money do I have at the end of the year 2012 or 11, I should say. And if I add in, back then it was only 20,000 that I was putting in per year as opposed to 60,000 now. So when you look at that over the course of 10 years, forecast out, again, if you get with a good company that gives you those raises, 3%, 4%, 5%, that trajectory should be that you should always be making more money and hopefully you will 
and you have that ability to save a little bit more each year. But don't go crazy with your uh, projections. Keep them pretty conservative. But when I look at my spreadsheet, I can see that in 2012, I was only saving about $22,000 per year. When I look at the year 2016, it jumps up considerably. So each year I had the ability to save up, save a little more per year. And then I would run it in the calculator on dinkytown.net that I shared with you on the last episode. And I would put a dollar amount and say, this is where I hope to be. My forecast totals is where I hope to be. Then I created a column or a subsection below that to be the actual numbers. And so let me just share some of the numbers for you. And this is what can happen. You know, this is what can happen is you forecast each year and you look at the numbers. So at the end of 2012, the total invested, and this is not net worth, by the way, this is just total money in the investments. 2012, at the end of that, it was 232,000. End of 2013, it jumped up to 321,000. The end of 2014, it was 374,000. 2015, 420,000. 2016, 478,000. 2017, 585,000. 2018, 646,000. 2019, 804,000. 2020 current right now, 828,000. So by looking at those numbers then, and you record it each year, and then you just revisit the spreadsheet, that's how you're gonna dream big. Remember I talked about that previously? This is gonna keep you on track. This is gonna prevent you from buying a bigger house. This is gonna prevent you from selling the car that you have that is perfectly fine. This is gonna prevent you from going on these expensive vacations and learning that life is all about, you know, your family, your friends, all these little things that really don't cost money if you want to be a millionaire and get to a point where you can segue from a W-2 job where you don't need an income, that should make you feel so powerful. That should make you feel so powerful if you can change your destiny and create that type of a path for yourself. It can happen. <laughs>